0: This is Before the Light Goes Out, with Catherine Williams. Neil McCall is the eldest son of folk musician pioneers Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger, and the half-brother of Kirsty McCall. He's also a musician, songwriter, and producer in his own right. He's produced albums for many artists, including Bombay Bicycle Club, who his son Jamie is the guitarist, and tours as a seasoned session musician with artists such as David Gray, David Gilmore, Jesse Buckley and Nadine Shah. He's composed for film and TV for many years, films such as Fever Pitch, 24-7, Far From The Madding Crowd and My Cousin Rachel. He also wrote and recorded an amazing record with a singer-songwriter who maybe he'll talk about later on in the (laughs) programme. Welcome, Neil McCaw.
1: Thank you, Kath.
0: How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm a bit hungover today, as you know. I don't really drink anymore, so when I do, it's sort of like I get a 10. (laughs)
0: You get a number 10?
1: I get a number 10 just from a sort of looking at a glass of wine.
0: I'm a cheap date too these days. So, this will be an interesting question. How did you sleep last night? Did you st- I don't remember.
1: <laughs> it was brilliant. It was brilliant because I don't really sleep that well anymore. So, it makes me realise that's probably why I used to drink a lot, just to kind of, I'd say, sleep like a baby. I do think that's a really weird phrase, though, you know. <laughs> sleep like a baby What you shit yourself and <laughs> sleep in a onesie. No,
0: and scream really loud.
1: And scream really loud when I wake up. Yeah, no, I've, so I've gone off on the off the edge here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I slept really well. Thank you for asking.
0: Where are you sleeping tonight?
1: In my bed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's not been the usual recently, is it? You've been on a lot of tours.
1: Oh, good. I did a world tour with David Gray last year, which meant sleeping largely on... Um, Well, on the American trip, which was six weeks long, we were living on a bus mostly. David Gray's trying to be greener and not doing any internal flights, which meant sort of thousand mile drives. Yeah, it was all right. Actually, you know, it's after the first three or four days, you just get into a different rhythm and it's it's really good.
0: So does that mean that you you sleep longer or you, you sort of work yourself up to the gig everything is always towards the gig or
1: no nah, you don't you don't sleep longer you sleep i mean once you get into it you just sleep a normal get a normal night's sleep it's just you're on the move it's tricky on some of, some of the american roads that obviously haven't had the attention but with the boiling hot summers and freezing winters they crack and you'll occasionally get, you know, like roads in Colorado where you're just bumping your way across the terrain and that gets a little hairy, but you just get used to everything. Humans are very adaptable.
0: In that vein, where's the strangest place
1: you've slept? Hmm. The Strangest place I've slept. I used to be in a band called The Bible and we, uh, on one of the tours we did, we were sleeping in... This is not really my story. <laughs> But I was there. We were sleeping in this house that was owned by Hunt Saboteurs, and Tony, the keyboard player, was shown a bed, went off to sleep, and in the middle of the night, he was woken by uh, this guy coming into the room and getting into bed with him because he hadn't. This guy hadn't been informed that the band was staying, and one of them had taken his bed, and I think he was to be kind of covered in tattoos and sort of Mohican. And Tony got the shock of his life. I mean, it was its not a great story, and it wasn't particularly strange. Actually, they were really nice people, but they were. And then he got up in the morning. This guy and said, "Where's me sub pants?" You know, I was <laughs> looking for his going off on a sab a saboteur <laughs> job, and it was just bizarre. The whole thing was bizarre. I haven't slept in that many strange places, really.
0: Can you sleep when you tour and travel? Are you someone that can sleep on a plane or
1: no? Can't sleep sitting up. Never have been able to. It's just, it's just wrong. It's unnatural.
0: So you have to be flat on your back, or on. I have side. to be
1: flat. I have to be flat. Yeah, yeah. So, so really, long haul journeys like Australia are just a nightmare, really.
0: And what do you do in those times?
1: Oh, I like reading, so I'm, I'm, I'm good. Does that not nod you off? No, because I really get into the book I'm reading, and I want to find out, want to keep reading it. So I just, I have to stay with it.
0: So can you read a whole book in one go?
1: I have done, yeah. I'm kind of reading books in two goes at the moment. I'm reading about three or four hours a night.
0: And so do you do that in bed? you go to bed early and then read?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. (laughs) Sorry, this is a podcast, isn't it? I'm supposed to elaborate on that.
0: Oh, no, you don't have to elaborate at all. You can just be you. Mm Yeah, Okay. Do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone?
1: Ooh. Well, with someone. What, you mean with anyone? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love sleeping with Kate, my wife. Well, that's lucky. And it's really weird when she's not in the bed. So, yeah, I I guess I prefer sleeping with someone, but not just anyone. Although when Kate's not there, I let Banjo the dog stay on the bed, and that's really good as well.
0: Do you get mixed up? (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: Ooh, this is taking a bit of a turn. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. No.
0: Well, I did not mean in the rude sense. I was thinking maybe you'd scratch her behind the ear or something. I wasn't thinking of the reverse idea for you.
1: Oh, I see. Well, no, I mean, I don't think she'd really like that rough scratching behind the ears.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like a big rub on the head.
1: I we mean, can rub her tummy if she rolls over, but, you know, that's a different thing.
0: When you're away, do you put pillows on the bed? I do that with, when I'm on tour without Neil. Or do you just enjoy the... No,
1: I, no, I tend to tell you, you, Most hotels have got too many pillows on the bed. If you're touring with David Gray, for instance, which is a higher level of touring, you're generally staying in four, four and five-star places, and they're just so over-pillowed.
0: Is that your trip advisor?
1: And they've got they've got the, the normal pillows that you sleep on and then they've got the secondary pillows which are there for I don't know why they're there. They're just they're there for me to throw off. To give me something to do when I go into the room. They're so unnecessary.
0: I think they call it dressing, don't they? Dressing the bed.
1: They can call it what they like, but it's stupid. <laughs> it's to make you feel like they've made a bigger effort.
0: Yeah. So on those lovely, big, luxurious beds, do you just enjoy that space?
1: Yeah. Oh, God, if we have a day off, aside from getting exercise and going out and walking around whatever interesting place you're in, I just, I live on the bed all day. I live on the bed, I I, I read on the bed, I get in and out of it during the day for extra sleep, I um watch movies on my laptop in the bed, I order room service and I eat on the bed. <laughs>
0: Everything on the bed.
1: Everything on the bed. That's where the subsidiary pillows come into their own, actually, because you can, if they're the right shape, you can raise up a room service tray on one. And so, really handy. So
0: that is what they're for.
1: That must be. Well, there's no sign saying, please do not put food on these pillows.
0: (laughs) No, there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Spoon, cuddle or space? Spoon. Definite spoon. That's it.
1: Yeah, spoon, spoon and space. Actually, spoon and space. Spoon first, space later. Space later.
0: And are you the Spooner?
1: er uh, yeah. Oh yeah,
0: I'm the Spooner.
1: <laughs> I'm a Spooner, me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the Spooner.
0: No, no, I don't. I don't like being spooned.
1: Did Kate tell you different?
0: No, she said she liked being spooned. So it does correlate, and I will put a tick in the box.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: They are telling the truth. (laughs) Do you sleep through?
1: Through. Do you sleep through?
0: Through the night?
1: Oh, pretty much, yeah.
0: I just had a vision of what you were thinking I was meaning, like, do I sleep through the (laughs) night? Do I go through the bed? (laughs) Like, trying to imagine what I actually wanted you to answer.
1: Sleep through? Yeah, I sleep through I sleep through the night, pretty much. I'm 64 and still seem to have a younger man's bladder, so that's good news.
0: You should give that bladder back.
1: It's really just, I don't know, sleeping's got harder as I've got older because I think I'm a lot more worried than I used to be. Probably because death is nearer, the world feels like a shit place, and that keeps me awake at night. Kate and I have both, since Brexit, have been just been angrier people generally. The pandemic did everyone's heads in. Yeah. Oh, I think we're probably all a bit bit weirder now than we were five, ten years ago.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But once I'm asleep, it's good. I, I like sleeping.
0: So do you, do you catastrophise? Is that the worry or do you just think about problems that can't be solved?
1: Ah it's just a it's I think it's it's hard to analyze it's just a general all purpose, oh my God, and things will stream through my head. What's happening to the earth's climate? How are we all going to have enough water? How are we going to pay the electricity bill next winter? How's the population going to keep exploding at this rate without the world telling us to go fuck ourselves uh, it's just have I cheered you up yet.
0: I was just about to say, Neil McCall, available for children's parties.
1: <laughs> so, well, you did ask.
0: I'm with you. I tend to distract myself because I wake up in the night with thoughts and they're always, they always seem insurmountable in, in the middle of the night. Mm. Darkness doesn't help those sort of thoughts. I was thinking about that, you know, that thought you know, bad, bad things happen in history because good people do nothing. Yeah. I have to limit my news because news now is rolling and I, and I can feel helpless because of that. What do you think about that?
1: We still get a physical newspaper. So that's kind of the news for the day, first thing in the morning, and then I don't do any more news for the rest of the day. I don't go online for news. I don't go online for anything much at all, to be honest. I don't really do social media. I'm not interested in all the opinions that are out there. I think if something is hugely important, we'll all find out about it. Yeah. Someone will, will tell me and then I'll go and follow it up.
0: That, well, that's sensible. And I did notice that when uh, I was trying to find something to write about. I was like, oh, Nick.
1: You can't, you can't find me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I did.
1: I know, I need to do a website. And, I, you know, I've got, been writing an album and I want to get it out and I will actually have to engage with all this. But I, frankly, it, it sort of, I wouldn't say it scares the shit out of me, but it just kind of, I just, it makes me want to, I'd rather do anything except engage with social media and go, look at me, aren't I great? Here's my new product. And I know everyone does it and everyone has to do it. It's the new world
0: when it's time for tours and stuff and promoters are saying you need to push this you need to push this for gigs or whatever I can feel my stomach not and then send another post out and social media can be amazing like doing Instagram lives over lockdown I realised it wasn't about me it was about connecting people that couldn't get out to gigs who felt like they were part of something and less lonely there's some beautiful bits of social media yeah and i try and do like a little if i'm doing drawings or paintings or something i'll put them up not as a like look at me but just it's just a simple thing of sharing something you've done so Mm. i think you can balance it it's okay but i do agree i have a real struggle with it because Everyone's advertising themselves, but then you think mm. that that's their life. So then you go, oh, everyone's doing really well, and I'm not. <laughs> or oh, everyone's on tour. So, yeah, I do get it. It's, it's full of pitfalls, especially if, like, you're not someone who wants to shout from the rooftops about yourself.
1: No, I don't. I'm, I'm really just interested in music, songs, music. I think, but I'm sure that's true of most of us.
0: So how's your record getting on? It's all right. Where are you up to?
1: Still writing more songs. That's one of the good things about... uh, That's my method of going to sleep. When everything is crowding in on me, I do manage to distract myself, and it's always with song lyrics. Mm. That really helps.
0: That you write them in bed?
1: I, I... Sort of lie there thinking, how am I going to solve that problem at the end of that song? Which the song is really good and the ending shit, you know, and, and run through all the ways that it could go, you know, and try and come up the lines. And, and generally, that's a good way of shutting out the noise. Although sometimes the noise will kind of go, what are you thinking about songs for? There's no point. <laughs> There's no point in that because the world's going to end.
0: Oh, we all have that. I, I call that. The Tantrum Kid, and you just have to tell that voice to stop. Yeah. Because I've heard some of those songs and they're amazing, and I can't wait for your record, so.
1: Oh, well, thank you very much, Catherine. Well, it's true. No, you're amazing.
0: (laughs) No, no, we should be on social media (laughs) doing this. Oh my God, I just think he's so. Oh my (laughs) God!
1: You You are so beautiful! (laughs) No, you are! No, you!
0: (laughs) Do you write or work better in the daytime or the evening?
1: Uh, Daytime, I think.
0: Yeah? Has that changed over the years?
1: Yeah. I think when I was younger, I used to think that that, that there was some kind of... Ooh, you know, I'm going to really create if I get out of my head at late at night and, you know, stay up till three in the morning drinking red wine and, you know, I'll be really creative. And, of course, you are for a bit and then you're just not anymore. I think the best way to be creative is to do it every day in whatever state you're in.
0: And just turn up.
1: Turn up, yeah.
0: Stephen King on that book about writing... It's, I think it's called On Writing. It's an amid- it
1: is called On Writing, yeah, it's a really good book. Yeah,
0: and he just says you just have to turn up every day and yeah. be brave enough for the days that there isn't the gold.
1: We yeah, went to see um, Nick Cave, did I tell you that, his thing where he sort of talks, talks to the audience about songwriting and then plays a song and then talks and then asks questions from the audience. And he said this really brilliant thing which I think just sums it all up really because he's very much he goes into his writing room at, at nine every morning and comes out at five so he treats it like a job and he said sometimes he'll go two weeks and all he'll have done is write words and words and reams of words and words and he, then he says occasionally he'll put a couple of lines together and, and something will start shimmering shimmering on the page. He calls it the shimmer, when, the, when things start to coalesce and become, you know, when there's something tangible and magic and you can feel it's gone beyond just the, the sort of day-to-day. Mm. I thought that's such a brilliant way of putting it. And that's what we're all looking for, isn't it? We're waiting for the shimmer.
0: Yeah. I get the goosebumps, like, I know that it's happening. Do you like quiet or noise? podcasts, radio, chats, music, books. What is the thing that you love doing in bed most? Books. So you read books and then you also work on, imagine lyrics. Do you write the lyrics there or do you just mull them over in your head?
1: I just mull them over in my head in bed. Unless there's something which is so, which I've latched onto that I have to get up and write down. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Those times are so funny, aren't they?
1: Because I have gone to sleep with a with what I thought was a fantastic idea in my head and I thought, oh, that's so good, I'll remember it in the morning and it's just gone. Yeah. So you have to sort of engage fully, don't you?
0: So can you listen to music to sleep?
1: I sort of like the choir. I like, once the light's out, I like listening to the sounds coming from outside the back window, you know foxes killing birds, that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> those relaxing sort of meditation <laughs> yeah. tapes.
1: Yeah, and this, this time of year, all the foxes are shagging, so that's good, because you get woken up by blood-curdling screams at three in the morning.
0: Sounds like a baby being murdered, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: it does, yeah.
0: What are those green birds that are everywhere now? Parakeets, do you have them now?
1: We yeah, I mean, they're here in all the local parks, but we don't have them in the garden. Thankfully, because they chase off all the other birds.
0: Ah, are they like the grey squirrel of the bird world?
1: Yeah, so we've got blue tits, great tits, dunnocks, woodpeckers.
0: I always think of you as uh, someone who could live in the middle of nowhere in the highlands.
1: I could, but I think if I did that, I'd probably be alone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could persuade Kate to do that.
0: But you, lo- you love walking and stuff, don't you?
1: Yeah. It's where, it's where I feel at home. It, it's kind of weird because I love people and I live amongst people. I've always lived in cities, but I always feel most at home on wild moorland, looking at mountains. I think there's something about... London feels very in, impermanent or something. It, it doesn't feel right it's gray in winter it's gray it's mean it's so gray everything's gray and it's too crowded there's too many people you walk out on mountains you you're looking you're feeling something that's been there for millions of years and i like the feeling that it makes you feel insignificant this is precisely the reason why a lot of people can't stand it I think it makes them feel really shit, you know, I don't don't like this feeling of feeling like I am nothing. I like that feeling of I am so insignificant out here. I could disappear and it wouldn't make the blindest bit of difference to this place. That, to me, is is lovely. Is that weird?
0: No, it's not weird. That's uh, very zen, I would say.
1: Mm, yeah, it probably is.
0: Yeah, it's accepting the the size of existence and your existence isn't it I guess
1: I suppose so yeah I mean I do love people as well but if you live in a massive city you have to take all of those people you have to take them all on be around them and be with them and some of them are great and and some of them just aren't (laughs) (laughs) they're damaged and they're damaged kind of spills over. You know, my damage probably spills over as well, but it's kind of people aren't meant to live in groups of 10 million.
0: No. But then you probably have more anonymity in a city than you would in a small village.
1: Yeah, I know. I've I lived in a village once. There was no privacy at all. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone knew what everyone was doing. Everyone knew who everyone was shagging.
0: And was that you?
1: <laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually. No, no, it was a commuter belt village in Cambridgeshire, and everyone's in everyone's business. And the, the shagging was all kind of, you know, people who shouldn't have been from different families. And, and you, you knew which house was the swingers' house, which <laughs> was kind of way. Hey, we're not going there. Was it
0: Pampas Grass? Was that how they t- told you?
1: Uh, Why well, is that? What it is up at your place?
0: I always thought that if there was pampas grass growing outside the front of someone's house, it meant they were a swinger.
1: Why did you think that?
0: I think it's I think it's common knowledge. Is it? Yeah, apparently. I mean, I'm not a swinger. I don't know any swingers. But Neil did buy some catering equipment from a man in Bishop Auckland. And he tried to look him up to get some more and he had the same online presence as he did for his swinging parties and Neil said that he got much more than he bargained for when he was trying to look for a toaster. <laughs> 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 it still makes me laugh.
1: So if I... Obviously now I know this so we won't get pampas grass and plant it out in the front garden but, you know, people must do that. get unwanted attention
0: yeah or that maybe that's how it carries on maybe i don't know you've accidentally bought the wrong cheese sometime in the supermarket and thought actually i quite like this cheese (laughs) i don't know what i'm talking about
1: no we're not on a subject that we're very knowledgeable about here but you
0: like to be private don't you being anonymous in a big city, even though you don't like the amount of people, that probably gives you some sort of blanket coverage to, to not be noticed.
1: That's just another way of saying you don't get out much, do you?
0: No, I don't mean that. <laughs> you were out last night drinking, you have friends.
1: <laughs> oh yes, that's true, we do.
0: If you fill your energies up by being alone, generally that means you're an introvert, doesn't it? Yeah. And if you fill yourself up with the company of others, then you're extrovert. Is that right?
1: I suppose so, yeah. Well, I think you can still be introvert and fill yourself up with the company of others. I've also thought introvert, extrovert was all, not exhibitionist, but a bit more, look at me, kind of. But maybe that's wrong. That's, that's, that's being too um, extreme with the term, isn't it?
0: You get up and do gigs on stage to 20,000 30,000 how does that all work
1: it doesn't really does it I don't know people but we're complicated you see I think you've got some very strong introverted sides to your personality yeah but you thrive on communication with people
0: yeah but I've realized that often that's more one-on-one communication or gigs I can do it if I feel like we're, like, in a community at a gig and it's just me and them in the moment. Yeah. I, I really struggle with that balance of introvert-extrovert because I do need people. I need friends and family and connections. I enjoy my own company more now, but I need meaningful connections, definitely. But I really struggle with the physical of presenting myself into the world. Before I go on stage, such a struggle.
1: Yeah, I I have the same thing. I think it's a huge struggle. I mean, you can probably relate to this. You know, if I'm not in a particularly good place, I'll be on stage thinking of those all that those people are looking at me and they're laughing or they they I'm being judged. Yeah, I'm being judged harshly. It's a weird thing about being performer because you you kind of get up on stage and you just want to say why are you all looking just look somewhere else you know?
0: <laughs> so is there a big difference between those gigs the the ones where you know you're on stage with a big star like david gray or whatever and and it's like fat you know tens of thousands of people and then in a small venue singing to like 50 what where's the difference
1: in a small club the people are closer <laughs>
0: Can you remove yourself in that way when it's a bigger gig?
1: In a way, yeah. I don't know. It depends. All th- all, all, all gigs are different. I mean, playing with you would, would be very different from playing with David. You know, when you do one of his gigs, you rehearse for three weeks. Everything is nailed down. You've got, not scripted, but everyone knows the parameters are all set. When I play with you, we sort of do a day's rehearsal and then go and start playing and it's kind of, there's this kind of strength in that because you know I think people who come to see you understand that those are those parameters. People are go and see David Gray in an Enormo Dome or going for a show with big lights, and you know there's a, it's it's kind of easier to be invisible as a as a side man or woman. You know, mm. playing with somebody on that scale, you know, there's no invisibility. You're kind of naked in a small club.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to sort of take on that vulnerability and just like use it as a superpower, I guess. Well, we've come to the last question. Can you remember a lullaby or song or a book that sent you to sleep as a child?
1: Yes, I can.
0: Would you like to share it?
1: Yeah. Two things really. One is The Little Wooden Horse. Did you ever read that book? Yeah. That was my favourite book as a kid that my mum used to read to me. I found out when Kate and I got together, it was her favourite book as a child as well. So we started writing a musical based on it and got about five songs written and then realised that the book was probably too episodic and we weren't good enough at writing a musical to take it any further. But the songs are great. And the other thing would be a song called Mr. Rabbit. Which my mum used to sing to me and which I used to sing to my kids.
0: I've never heard of it.
1: Mr Rabbit, it was an American lullaby. It goes, Mr Rabbit, Mr Rabbit, your ears mighty long. Yes, my lord, they're put on wrong. Every little soul must shine, shine, shine. Every little soul must shine, shine, shine. And there's about five verses of it.
0: Oh, that's so beautiful. Thanks, Neil. OK. Well, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. And I think I, I, think I quite like you hungover.
1: Uh, I'll make sure I'm hungover next time I see you then.
0: OK. <laughs> <laughs> it's a deal. Um, thank you very much, Neil McCall.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Kath.